You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 142. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Michael Kaufman, who was recently called a writer to watch by Publishers Weekly. He is a global leader in gender equality efforts, who has worked in 50 countries with the United Nations, governments, NGOs, and women's organizations. His latest book, The Last Exit, is a cross-genre DC mystery that tackles social issues with grit and humor. It features Jen Liu and her AI sidekick conflicting uh, climate change and longevity drugs in 2033. Had a lot of fun talking with uh, Michael about his uh, writing process, about writing a thriller set in the uh, future in 2033, and uh, t- tackling uh, uh, very important uh, issues, but in a fun and way, in an entertaining way for the for a thriller. So I had a lot of t- fun uh, talking with Michael about that and getting to know his uh, work and writing process. Uh, so stay tuned for that interview. It's coming up here just in a moment. And just a quick reminder to please go visit uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash links. You can access all my links from that once site. You can go and rate and review my podcast there, uh, which helps me get the uh, word out, as well as uh, joining the uh, Thrilling Reads uh, newsletter and a lot more. So go check that out at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Got a lot of interesting stuff up there. All right, here is my interview with uh, Michael Kaufman. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And on the podcast, I have uh, Michael Kaufman. And very excited to talk to you, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to be with you, Alan. So you have a new book coming out. It's uh, The Last Exit. I believe it's out now, is it right? It is. Actually, it already popped into its second printing, which uh, oh, is wow. pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah, that's very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about it, please? Well, The Last Exit is a near future mystery. It's a, it's a crossover book. So there's elements of a classic police procedural, you know, a police detective is trying to figure out who done it and why and all that. But it's also set in the near future, set in Washington, D.C. in 2033. So there's, you know, there's elements of speculative fiction. Um, it's, uh, you know, Washington 2033, I mean, climate change is hitting hard. Uh, there's rampant inequality. Uh, there's a virus that is uh, taking down a lot of uh, folks in their 40s and 50s. Um, there's, uh, you know, there, there, it's not a dystopian novel. I, I've got to add that, you know, in these grim dystopias where, you know, it's sort of, you know, endless fog and neon and, and doom and gloom. Um, but there are dystopian elements in this. Uh, of course, I guess you could say the same pretty much for Washington, D.C. today, for example, or any day of the week. Um, But there are dystopian elements, but it's not a dystopian novel per se. But it focuses around uh, a D.C. uh, police detective named Jen Liu, um, who is uh, uh, trying to get to the bottom of um, what appears to be some illegal street versions of a longevity treatment. Now, you know, uh, you know, you're coming from um, San Francisco. I mean, you know all about this. All these uh, tech zillionaires who are popping money into uh, trying to figure out how to live forever. And I guess if you've got billions, you've got to figure out how you're going to spend the damn stuff, damn thing. So anyway, you know, go ahead. Uh, Twelve years. There's some sort of longevity treatment available to the super rich. Um, there's also a modified version of this treatment uh, that doesn't l- let you live forever, but allows you to live in a healthy way until you're in your 90s. And this is particularly important because, as I said, 
there's a virus that is striking down a lot of people in their 40s and 50s and 60s. And there's, and here's the big dystopian element. There's a new policy out called exit. And that is if parents uh, choose to voluntarily die at 65, exit, their kids will get this, you know, this modified longevity drug. And it's one of those things as a parent, as every parent knows, you'd do anything for your kids. And this would be a biggie. Um, you're going to die so they can live. Anyway, there's a um, an illegal version of this treatment that appears to be uh, going around. And then it appears that people are dying from it. So my police detective, Jen Liu, is trying to figure out who is behind this, what it's all about, what's happening. And... Um, well, and we take it from there. She ends up uh, having to, you know, risk her life, her career, um, all of the above, to get to the bottom of uh, of what's going on. Well, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of concepts there. I, I really love the. I was reading the 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 blurb of your book. Like you mash a lot of different genres, which I think is really cool. Um, how is that something? Because you were just interested in different things, you just want to pick one, and you started <laughs> mashing. <or? laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, it's no, I mean, I, I can't, uh, it was not for, um, you know, Machiavellian reasons, you know, it is cool, actually, to, to get reviewed now on, you know, main, I mean, mainly mystery and, 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 and thriller, you know, book sites, and, and, but, you know, science fiction in there, too, and, and, and some, you know, non-genre fiction. Um, I read, one, one reason is I read all over the place. I'm, you know, I, I read a lot of crime and thrillers. Uh, I, I do read some science fiction. I read, you know, just straight ahead novels, classics. Um, but also it's my own work over the years, aside from writing, has been as an advisor and an activist uh, working on issues around engaging men to promote women's rights. Uh, I've worked over the years extensively around the world in the UN system with different governments, uh, NGOs. And so I wanted to bring... The, some of the issues that I'm interested in onto the pages. Now, it's not, this is not a, you know, this is not a nonfiction book. It's, you know, this isn't homework to read this book. It's fun. But I wanted to engage readers conceptually as well as, you know, getting people to turn the page. And so it just seemed that this sort of cross-genre approach would allow me to both have a lot of fun, uh, first of all, entertain people, um, but also to explore some real issues that, face us as, as, well, not just as readers, but as citizens and human beings. Yeah, you mentioned that you you have the, the climate change and the inequality, that's all stuff that, uh, that's been going on for, for years, but you also threw in the virus in there. Was that before the, you started writing this before all this uh, pandemic <laughs> <Yes>. stuff? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I was talking to someone who, um, just you know, to to a reader who didn't uh, didn't know, and there's no reason why they would know the laborious process to go from writing a book <laughs> to you know, luckily I had a, an agent already, but you know, then going through the, you know, working on a book with it with your agent and and um, and others, and then you know, then they pitch the book, they sell it, then you go through a whole year with your publisher. So yeah, this was written back and you know, started it in I think around 2018, 2019, wrote the bulk of it. And and they were saying, but listen, it's got this virus. And in fact, it, 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 it's funny, Alan. On on the second page of the book, um, there is a scene. My my detective is uh, 
uh, is wearing an N95 mask, not because there's a virus, this virus, uh, that's not really that big a deal in this part of the book, but there's a big forest fire that is uh, in the great Shenandoah blaze that is sending smoke into DC. And, you know, this, this person I was talking to said, yeah, well, you were taking that from the big fires in, in, in California yeah. last year. I said, no, no, this was way before that. Um, and uh, then she said, well, what about the virus? And well, actually, you know, she puts on this mask. And in the original that I wrote, I just wrote, she, you know, she put on her N95. When I was editing it, I realized, who the hell is going to know what an N95 is? Like, <laughs> no one's going to know that, you know, this obscure reference. So I changed the sentence to make it clear this was a mask she was putting on. Of course, by the time the book comes out, you know, who doesn't know what an N95 is? Um, yeah, there's several things like that. As I said, climate change is hitting hard. There's a virus. Uh, part of the backstory is a movement not unlike Black Lives Matter. Um, it's uh, uh, it's focused in it's set in DC. It's focused around police brutality. One big difference is it also the movement includes some rogue police officers who you know decide to you know screw the thin blue line. I'm going to work in solidarity with my community uh, and, and others. And so there's a big overhaul in the, in the, in the mid-20s in, in D.C. Uh, policing. Um, again, you know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of interesting, but, you know, and, and a lot of stuff on, on income inequality. But, but the thing is, Alan, you know, you, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in political science. I mean, I actually do. But anyway, you don't need a Ph.D. in political science to make those connections. I mean, you and I are living at a time of, you know, of momentous challenges. I mean, huge, huge challenges. And I think, you know, yeah, I love reading everything. I love reading stories that are just totally escapist and, you know, all that. But in the end, I don't want to write a book that pretends I'm living in some, I don't know, dream world, uh, you know, or, you know, I could, or, a, you know, a book set today that could as, as, as easily have been written, you know, in the 1960s or 70s. I mean, we're confronted with some existential challenges to us as humans. So I wanted to, as I say, the book doesn't get into lectures. It's not a diatribe, but these issues are part of the texture of the world that Jen Liu lives in. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, like how uh, the the fine balance of, you know, your interest and in, in your experience in these issues, but then writing it as fiction and entertainment, is that, yeah. was that something that was a challenge or? Basically, no. And I'll tell you why, because I also write nonfiction. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> my last book that came out, um, well, two years ago now was called The Time Has Come, Why Men Must Join the Gender Equality Revolution. So, you know, and I, you know, and I, and I, you know, talk and stuff on these other issues. So I didn't feel I need, I need, I didn't need a soapbox. Um, I had that, I, you know, um, I, I give a lot of talks for a living. So I didn't need a soapbox. Um, uh, I wanted it just to be part of the, just the, the background, just like it's part of your and my, you know, our, our background, you know, whatever it might be. I, I didn't want to have to explain things. Um, so it's just there. I also, um, one of the reasons, that, and I, 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 I love writing this, you know, and this is the first of a series of, of mysteries with this character, um, uh, you know, writing it as a mystery is that mysteries, um, and any, any, you know, any good mystery does this to you. They, they, they force a certain discipline on the writer. Um, you know, my other fiction, um, my other two books of fiction haven't been mysteries. And I realized in retrospect that, you know, when you just write a, 
um, a non-genre novel, you've got so much latitude. Um, you can take it in you know different directions. You can talk about the weather for three pages if you know if it's you know poetic. Mm -hmm. um, you do whatever you want. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you could screw yourself trying to do that, but you've got a lot of latitude. Mysteries are really plot driven. Um, they've got to be tight. They've got to you know make sense. They've got to hang together. Um, you can't have you know you know think pages that people are going to skip over just to get you know you know get to the plot or get to the dialogue. Now, I say it's plot driven. You know, I also think they need to be strongly character driven. Um, you know, there are some mystery series that I read and I enjoy, but the character doesn't change from book to book. You know, you could read book ten in a series, and the character, male or female, you know, is indistinguishable uh, from 10, 15 years before. And again, I wanted to create a character that was going to be interesting, that was going to have challenges, um, like any character, but was also going to going to evolve and change in the course of this this series. And um, well, we'll see. I'll let others judge that one. Um, so far, nice feedback on that. Um, and um, uh, but um, yeah, partly I wanted to I wanted the discipline uh, of, of that tight writing that tight story that just didn't give me space to uh, just to be dropping my opinions and uh, editorializing too much. Is this your first uh, mystery that you've written that you've published? Or? It it, yeah. it is it is uh, that I published. Yeah, there yeah. there's one sitting on my computer somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, um, we all have those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all do. Um, yeah, my first novel was a straight ahead novel that uh, Penguin did a number of years ago. My second, which I actually co-wrote, uh, is an anti-war fable. Um, and yeah, that's my first first novel. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, it was fun to write. I'm, I've already all, already finished the sequel. That's 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 the routine. You know, by the time uh, in a series, by the time one comes out, you're you're you've done the draft of the of the next one. So mm -hmm. the next one, I guess, will be out a year from now. Yeah, exciting, exciting. So and how about the so your character Jenny Lou? Is there challenges as being a, a male writer writing female characters? I, I always ask that for my uh, for writers who are who, whose protagonists are female characters. Any challenges on that? Any concerns? You know, there there certainly are concerns. Um, I, um, I I didn't make that decision lightly. Um, but one of the nicest things that I've heard from both seen in different reviews and I've um, heard from different people is. They, you know, from women, uh, women reviewers and, and 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 readers, they just said they felt they felt they felt good about what I did. They felt I nailed it. Uh, you know that I, that it just that she rang true. Um, I think part of that comes from two decisions, one thing in my life and one um, one decision as a writer. In my life, as I said a minute ago, a lot of my work has been um, engaging men to support women's rights um, and. Uh, uh, where that work starts with is listening to women, listening to the voices of women, the concerns of women, uh, not trying to, you know, take over and 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 say that we as men have got all the answers, or even perhaps half the answers um, at best. And so, what that allowed me to do is to approach the the task of having a central woman character with a lot of, um, uh, you know, with a lot of care and caution and. Uh, and checking on things, um, just you know, checking on details, and you know, with women writers, and and you know, being being willing to back up, and you know, if I did wrote something, and you know, uh, my wife would read it and said would say, nope, uh, no woman would do that, and 
good. This is what we need. Here's the decision I made as a writer. There's actually two narrative voices in the book. Um, and this is a, a, a big element of the book and the story, which I haven't mentioned yet. And that is Jen Liu is part of a, an experimental program in DC in 2033. She has a synthetic a sort of a biocomputer implant in her brain. I guess that's the other big dystopian element in the book. Um, and it will be an issue I get to explore the whole role of AI in our lives. Anyway, she's got this synthetic implant. The, um, this uh, implant uh, is uh, named Chandler, a uh, familiar name to mystery readers, of course. And Chandler is a, he's a wannabe tough guy, but he's only, you know, two and a half years old or less than two and a half years old. So he has a hard time pulling it off, the, the tough guy routine. But Chandler narrates about half of the book. Um, so I go between chapters, which are literally inside Jen's head, narrated by this synthetic implant, telling her story, between that and third person, uh, a third person narrative. So I don't attempt to narrate in her voice, Although, uh, of course, her voice is there uh, as, uh, as dialogue and conversation. But I, I stay out of, um, well, Chandler's in her head, but I stay out of her head in, in that sense. I don't, uh, you know, there, there are all the concerns and debates about appropriation of voice. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting and complex discussion around that. Um, so I'm not taking a position on that, but uh, I, I, I am, um, I, I'm not pretending to narrate in her voice uh, or from her experience. Um, so I do play with that. I sort of, I, I guess I, I, I take it on that, that challenge right at the margin of, um, uh, of, of what seemed, seemed smart uh, as, I, as I set out to do that. But also, Al, I got to tell you what happened. You know, I knew uh, that my character, Jen Liu, was going to evolve. You know, as I was saying a minute ago, good, good mysteries, good books characters change, they develop, they're, they're confronted with the, the things in the story, and that affects them as a character. That's that interaction of the plot and the character. So I knew that Jen Liu was going to deal with some, you know, some of her demons, both in this book and as the series go, goes on. I knew that. Here's what I didn't know, that my synthetic computer implant, Chandler, was also going to change. So this guy, I say guy in quotes, um, obviously he's not a guy. Um, he's a, a lump of, you know, some sort of matter. Um, but this, uh, this synthetic computer, biocomputer, actually starts changing in the course of the, the book. He starts doing things that certainly were not in my plot outline. Um, and, uh, and this was one of the most exciting things for me as a writer, that uh, suddenly I had this, this voice, this, 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 this computer that was really becoming a character. And um, it was the thing, you know, when um, when Cricket Lane, my publisher, bought it, uh, that was the, the first thing they said is, we love Chandler. Uh, we love that narrative voice. So yeah, it was both a lot of fun to write in that voice and his voice, uh, his quote voice, um, you know, or his quote his. Um, and um, uh, but, um, but also, you know, to, to see, you know, See how that just enriched the story in ways I didn't expect. Yeah, that 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 component seems really fascinating to me. Since a um, a really cool concept too it reminds me. There's a movie. The movie isn't very good, but I like the concept of it. Uh, what was it. I think it's called Upgrade. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but no. 
he has this chip put in him and same thing. And it's this AI voice in his head that makes him do things. And so the concept was good, but the movie wasn't very good, but the concept was cool. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, that, but hopefully, you know, yeah. as you're saying, it's involving and changing. I think that's yeah. so cool. And, and, and Alan, what I didn't want to do, you know, I didn't, um, let's say I do read science fiction, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to turn this into, I don't know, just, you know, movie of the week, um, we, you know, so the, the bad movie with, you know, you know, man with computer in his brain or woman with computer in her brain. Um, one of the questions I will be dealing with as the series goes on um, is, you know, as I said, is, is this, you know, human computer interface that we're all in some way or another part of, even though it's not implanted yet. Um, well, it is for, for some people. I have a friend with Parkinson's who's got a computer in his brain now uh, that's helping keep him mobile and, and, and alive. Um, so uh, it's not conscious. Um, that's the big difference. And, that, and I actually don't think by 2033 we'll have conscious entities in our brain. But, you know, there'll be this different forms of augmentation. That's, that will be an issue I deal with. Um, but yeah, it also makes the book fun, I think. One of the great things, I, I, I'm waiting for it to arrive, um, but I just heard clips, but the audiobook version actually has two narrators, which I love. There's one oh, cool. uh, narrator for the Chandler narrated chapters. Uh, and it's a, a male, it's a male um, voice actor and then a, a female voice actor for the other, uh, the other third person narration. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned before, who, who knows what they're working on down here in Silicon Valley. I'm 40, 50 miles away from there. <laughs> you always see those driving cars now. They're all driving by themselves here. They're like testing, mapping everything out. So yeah, you figure somebody's probably working on, uh, on, on something like this, but who knows? Oh yeah. <laughs> you can, you can bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you mentioned before about the uh, the pushback of like actors playing other roles and stuff. Uh, you know, like a white actor playing a non-white role. And you mentioned that earlier, which is really interesting. I've just been wondering that myself. If that's something that you think is going to affect the writing uh, community, like you know, is that something that's going that we're going to get pushed back on? I wonder what your thoughts are on that. You know, I I think I think uh, I think it's already been happening. Um, and I, you know, I think that as, you know, as a white male writer, and I, and I don't say that with any, you know, I'm not saying that with a, a sense of, you know, inbuilt guilt. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, uh, you know, an, an accident, a, a chance of birth um, should be a source of, of guilt, but it, it has to be a source of responsibility. And that goes back to this really important notion of privilege. Um, and, and I remember years ago, um, a woman uh, telling me, basically, you know, tell me what privilege is. And uh, she said, it's, you know, it's, it, it's ultimately all these things, Michael, that you don't have to question because you're a man. Um, and, you know, you don't have to think about walking up to the, the corner to buy milk at night. You don't have to think about, you know, she just went through this list of things that as a woman confronts her. Um, you know, I, I've had black friends uh, say, you know, you don't have to think about, you know, driving across town in your car that, you know, you're going to get stopped and, Someone's going to ask you, a cop's going to ask you whose car is this or, or worse. Um, that's privilege. And the thing about privilege, it's invisible. Now, what I say that comes with that is not, I don't, you know, it's not that we should feel guilty, but we should feel pissed off. We should feel pissed off. I should be pissed off. You should be, I would say you should be pissed off, you know, as someone who is 
is white as someone who is a man I, you know me you know just speaking for myself as someone who is able body as someone who is straight just feel pissed off that everyone doesn't have the same basic rights and privileges that i enjoy it's as simple as that so it's not about collective blame or collective guilt it's about collective responsibility it's about collective love it's about thoughtfulness and it's about listening and so i think what it means for writers is that we better listen uh, if we're in positions where we've enjoyed relative privilege, um, if we've had access to the airwaves uh, because of you know our our, our 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 sex or our skin color, if we get listened to more, if we get more respect, um, uh, you know, I just I just read a wonderful tweet today, and I I sorry I can't remember. Um, no, I can't remember a woman, but anyway, this, this woman is saying she was in a, she was working, doing some project with NASA, NASA a few years, 10 years ago. And she was, you know, talking about some situation and some guy just cut her off in the middle of her explaining something. And he just said, you know, you're wrong about this. You should read. And he mentioned an article. Uh, he said, you should read whatever it is, McDonald et al., you know, et cetera. So this woman said, so I pulled my hair back away from my name tag pointed my, to my name tag, and she said, I am McDonald at all. <laughs> anyway, it was just this great example of, of privilege at work. He just felt that he could, you know, he was the one that should, you know, be in charge, be listened to. So I think as writers, it just means to, to approach, um, you know, when we write about uh, a group that has had, um, who, who has faced brutality or discrimination uh, or racism or homophobia or sexism, Approach it with a spirit of humility, of listening, um, and uh, but also know that um, uh, you know there are limits on on the experience that I have. Um, you know, there's just my life. Yes, as a writer, we try to imagine as much as possible. Thank goodness. Otherwise, all of our books would be about sitting, someone sitting in front of a computer. Um, it'd be incredibly dull. So it's true. You know, virtually all writing is an act of imagination. We graft on bits in our own experience and history, but ultimately it's filtered through our own experiences and our own the, the world we've lived in. So we've got to, if we're as soon as we step out of that, we better be damn careful. Um, we better ask questions, we better get feedback. And we should we should also respect when uh uh, that there may be limits, um, and not to place those in advance, but there may be limits or moments. Perhaps it's, I don't think it's a permanent thing, but moments where some of us just say, okay, I'm stepping back. Um, uh, you know, this is not my day or my issue or my, I'm, I'm going to let other people do the talking here. It's complicated. Uh, so did you always, before uh, you, you wrote this book and published it, did you always want to be a fiction writer? Is that always in the back of your head, no matter what you've been doing, or has this come later in life? No, I've been writing... Fiction. My first novel actually came out in in twenty in the around nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, so mm -hmm. twenty years ago, and it was, as I say, a straight ahead story. Um, uh, I actually dredged it up recently to try to write a screenplay based on it. it, it it's it's not about to come to a theater near you, um, <laughs> but who knows? But it was it was really fun um, to work on again. So yeah, no, I've been writing fiction um, for a long time, probably some more sitting on my computer going, you know, way back. Uh, I love, I most of what I read is fiction. I, you know, I just love that, that well, that is what I read these days. And uh, so, yeah, it's always been a dream for me to be able to focus more on that. And I just decided, okay, just, just do it. Mm -hmm. And so I've sort of, I've been switching gears, you know, still continuing my work and my speaking 
uh, particularly on gender equality issues, but uh, transitioning more and more to writing, uh, just focusing on my fiction writing, and right now, particularly mysteries. And what's your process like? Do you outline your books thoroughly, or do you can you walk us through that your writing process? I'm, you know, there, there's that, you know, in the, in the mystery world, and you always hear this term, uh, Alan, you know, are you a plotter or a pantser? Do, <laughs> yeah. do you plot in advance or go by the seat of your pants? And um, I'm, uh, I'm in between. I, I, I you know, it's um, partly depends on the type of book you're writing. Police procedurals have to be much more tightly plotted than other for other genres within the mystery world that have a bit more latitude. Um but the, the thing is now, you know, you're writing on a, on, a, on a computer, you go back and you change things. You know, you change those details that pop up later on. So I have a, I have a general idea. I didn't actually know, I hadn't decided for certain who my culprit was. I, I pretty much knew, um, but it took a little while and it evolved. Um, with the sequel, I had no idea until I was about halfway through. Um, and then it, uh, then it became clear in my mind. So I, I have an outline. I have, you know, a number of my characters. But then I let the writing process do its magic. And it is, it is magical. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, you get to, it, you, you get to dream out loud. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be out for a run and I'll just hear my characters chattering away in my head and I'll just, you know, or I'll be thinking about something that was about to happen, and it just starts coming to life. Uh, you know, in, in in front of me. I remember years ago on on um, uh, a novel that you know I, I was I was working on at the time. This was many years ago. I had one of those experiences where I was actually you know right into a scene, and you know it was this couple. They were separated. He went back to 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 her place. They went for a walk around the block. In the outline, by the time they were around this long block they've gotten back together. Anyway, <laughs> she wasn't ready, it turned out. <laughs> they didn't. And it's, you know, we describe it as writers in these sort of mystical terms, you know, the, the characters have a life of their own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's poetic. It's, it's not true. I mean, of course, it's not true. They're, they're characters in our heads that we're creating. But here's what is true. I think that for most writers, we actually have a a sense of our characters that is more deep than we're consciously aware. So we think we're going to do this. And what by the time we hit that chapter, we're starting to shoehorn characters that are much more real by the time we get to that chapter, much more complex. Um, uh, and we're trying to shoehorn them into, you know, a, a certain plot expectation. And what the writing process actually allows us to do, and this is part of the beauty of, of writing on a computer rather than, you know, writing a manuscript by hand, or can you imagine writing, you know, back in Dickens days and okay. having, you know, a chapter published before you even get to the next one, um, we get to change things. And, and so as the story comes alive, as characters come alive, suddenly new characters are popping up. Suddenly I'm, I'm thinking about characters differently. And it's, it's, it's what you can say. I mean, I've got a smile on my face just talking about it. It's mm -hmm. what I love about, about writing. Uh, it's just, it's, it's magical. And do you usually, uh, do, do you set like, uh, do you usually write in the same spot or you like to switch it around? And I, I do write at the same spot in, in this, this room you're looking at here. Okay. Uh, it's my, it's my study, my office. Um, you know, occasionally I'll just pull out my laptop and, and, uh, go sit somewhere different, uh, 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 or if I'm, if I have a scene that's set in a particular place then I can, 
uh, you know, be at, I'll either go there, um, I'll go there, take notes or actually write a bit. Um, but no, it's basically here. I, I, I don't have a regular schedule. I mean, partly it's a problem in the sense that if I start writing first thing in the morning, I have a hard time doing anything else because I just want to keep going. Um, so, you know, right now, I mean, I don't even, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't even want to show you the list of things I'm supposed to be doing and, you know, my inbox and this and that. I mean, all the boring stuff that one needs to do in life. Um, I, I, you know, because last few, I, I started a new series and I just thought it was just taking notes and suddenly I started writing and I just, you know, I'm going, going, going and late at night, I'm finally going, okay, stop. <laughs> writing already <laughs> and so what's next for uh for you and for jenny lewis he said that the second one you're working on the second book in the series yeah i have finished a draft of it uh, my agent has it i'm just waiting to hear back from her um uh, i'm lucky you know I'm, I'm lucky i'm lucky to have a, an agent it's actually an agent within who's a, a part has a partner and so i get incredible feedback from both of them uh i'm very fortunate about that and uh but i expect um uh, you know, this one feels pretty far along. We'll see what they say. And so I think that they'll be, um, as, as they say in the business, taking it out, um, uh, either, you know, back to the publisher, of this one, they'll take it to first and, and, and other publishers at some point. And I assume it'd be out uh, about a year from now. Uh, I'm also, I, I couldn't have told you this a week ago, but I'm, uh, I've started, um, I'm starting a new mystery series, mm. um, uh, unnamed at this point, but uh, very different in many, many ways. And uh, set in the present uh, here in, in, in Toronto, where I live, or mainly in Toronto. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with that. As I said, I was working on a screenplay, uh, just, you know, a lot of, lot of different, a lot of different projects. Yeah. And uh, where can the listeners find you? Do you have like a website or? Yeah, um, my website is just my name.com, michaelkaufman.com. Uh, the first chapter of the book. Uh, if you go there, there's a whole bunch of articles and blogs and all the usual stuff, both mm -hmm. from my my fiction work and a lot of stuff from my work in nonfiction. Uh, I tweet from uh, uh, Kaufman writes, uh, as in writing, W uh, R I T E S. Uh, Kaufman writes. Um, yeah, those would be places people could uh, track me down. And I should just say, I, I think like most writers, uh, uh, I, I love hearing from readers. So um, yeah, it's fun when uh, you know already uh, folks who have um, who have read uh, or listened to um, the last exit uh, drop me a note or or tweet about it. It's I, I love I love hearing I love hearing from readers. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and talking to us about your work and The Last Exit. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Alan, it's been really good talking to you and um, stay safe. Yes, thank you. You too. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. If you have a moment, please do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast or simply rate this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, whichever podcast app you prefer, uh, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast. It's the best way to help other fans of uh, mystery and thriller books to find the uh, podcast, and uh, it helps me get the word out, and so it's the best way to support the podcast. So I do appreciate that. And if you're interested, you can join my Thrilling Reads mailing list 
You'll find the uh, sign-up form at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Once you subscribe for free, you'll be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. You'll also find my social media links and my author website over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. So check it out and say hi. All right. Take care and stay safe until we meet again on the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author.